1: Well, welcome in and kudos to the LSU Tigers. They are the champs with an amazing run of 15 consecutive wins. It is Go Tigers as they are victorious in the college football playoff championship game over Clemson, ending a perfect college football season for them, a Heisman Trophy winning season for Joe Burrow, their quarterback, the third national title in the 2000s for the LSU Tigers. SEC dominance, by the way, continues. Uh, Clemson, very valiant as the defending champs, but LSU has put a bow on the college football season and what a year it was. And we are ready to recap that and talk about conference championship weekend. Two spots up for grabs for the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54 in Miami. Welcome in to the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat competent host. Uh, somewhat capable, somewhat lucid. I've got great guests coming up from the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Chris Gianini will be here. He's an LSU guy, uh, loves his Tigers, and has a great story to tell about writing to Ed Orgeron earlier this season uh, about this LSU win. So he'll talk college football playoff championship recap. Put a put an end to that season as LSU has done with another SEC title win, 10 of them in the last 15 years, by the way. So we'll talk with Chris about that, uh, about that title game in the Superdome uh, in New Orleans, uh, comparisons on this LSU team with other great teams, all of that coming. And Chris has got NFL thoughts. Can the Titans keep it up against the Kansas City Chiefs with the way that they have ground the ball, pound and ground? Uh, with uh, uh, Derek Henry running it. Great defense. Uh, Can they continue that for a third straight road game at Kansas City? That's the early game on Sunday, uh, depending on when you're hearing us, for the conference championship games. The Sunday night uh, later game is the NFC title game, primetime in the East, early evening in the West. San Francisco and Green Bay, two storied franchises that have been in the Super Bowl a bunch or in the NFL championship game in Green Bay's case in the 60s before they called it the Super Bowl. So it's Packers, 49ers, rematch of a game that San Francisco routed them in in late November in the same building in Levi Stadium. We'll talk more about that game with Chris. We'll also talk about these games, including the Titans' chances with Brian Edwards from BrianEdwardsSports.com and MajorWager.com. Look forward to seeing if Brian loves those Tennessee Titans or those Green Bay Packers as the underdogs. I'll get his feelings on LSU's championship game win. Brian has also got great insight on the uh, UFC Ultimate Fighting and the Conor McGregor Cowboy Main Event in Las Vegas for UFC this weekend. He's got thoughts on that fight card. We've got a lot to get to. We've got a lot uh, to talk about and uh, obviously discuss with Brian Edwards, including some college basketball and all of the great action. You know, I have uh, two loves. i I, I got to confess here on Three Dog Thursday, I mean, I'm heavily involved in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. Love the NFL. Love the college football. The NFL is obviously king as it plays out here in the January playoffs. With the tens of millions that are watching all of the NFL playoff games, uh, for sure. So we all understand that with football. But college basketball is my true love. My college basketball is my one if I had nothing else, because there's nothing that beats the the month of March for the drama, the excitement, the conference tournaments the first weekend, and then three straight weekends of nothing but pure uh, 40-minute, one-and-done, high-wire act, soap opera drama that is college basketball. And we're building to that with one upset after another, including uh, earlier this week, Clemson beating Duke. Clemson follows up a North Carolina win on the weekend where they had never won in Chapel Hill ever, 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 and turn around and beat Duke three days later. And that's an unranked Clemson team beating a top-five Duke team, uh, derailing Duke's, what, 12- or 13-game win streak when they beat them. Uh, You saw Alabama hand Auburn their first loss of the season on Wednesday night. That's another unranked team, granted at home, beating a top-five team time and again. We are seeing this go on. We'll talk about the college upsets. Uh, I saw Seton Hall beat Butler at Butler Wednesday night in, in Big East play. Out West, can San Diego State run the table? They're in the top 25. Gonzaga right now in the in the top spot uh, has had a tremendous season as well. What about those Western teams? So much college basketball to talk about. Uh, and, and do we know who's really good? We're going to talk about that with Brian Edwards a little bit later on in the program. So a lot to get to and unpack here. Where does that LSU team rank all-time? I don't know that I'm ready to say they're the greatest ever. That 2001 Miami Hurricane team that Butch Davis left behind, he went to the NFL, that had 18, 18 first-round picks off of it, how would that Miami team that destroyed everybody at the end of the year, including Nebraska and the Rose Bowl, how would they have fared? against this LSU team. What about the Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, USC teams a few t- a few years later, 2004, 2005? I-, I know the second team, the 05 team, did not repeat. Vince Young in Texas beat them in the Battle of Unbeatens, also in the Rose Bowl in the BCS title game. That team would have been interesting against LSU, but Joe Burrow and the Tigers. I, I will say this about Ed Orgeron. Very lovable, deserves full credit for being the, uh, the, the, the overseer, uh, kind of the game manager of the program. Uh, you cannot and will not ever convince me that Orgeron left to his own devices without the great assistant coaches was going to be able to pull this off. Uh, j- just from the standpoint that you look at how horrible he was at Ole Miss, and yes, co- coaches learn and get better, but he was, he was all over the place as UFC's interim coach, that's why Pat Hayden didn't want to keep him back six, seven years ago, uh, and he became an assistant and eventually then the head coach at LSU now over the last uh, three seasons. Um, and look, he's not alone that you will never be able to convince me. And Barry Switzer is a friend of mine and a broadcaster, uh, that I've shared time with and I love him to death. He'll be the first one to tell you, Jimmy Johnson built those cowboy teams and the way that it was already locked in with Norv Turner as the, uh, as the offensive coordinator there back in the nineties. Um, and the defense with Butch Davis and Dave Wonstadt uh, there in the 90s, the way that all that was locked in. Barry was the caretaker. He was the overseer. He was making the important decisions about who's active. Uh, are we going forward on fourth down? Are we kicking the field goal? Are we punting? Those are the things. But he was the caretaker. Uh, in a lot of ways, Ed Orgeron is like that. I, 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 I go back to Tyron Lue being the Cleveland Cavaliers coach back three years ago or so, how much coaching did he really do versus LeBron James running that situation? Yeah, you're diagramming plays. Yeah, you're deciding substitution patterns, maybe. But LeBron was probably doing a lot of that, too. How much credit do we give Tyron Lue? How much credit do we give Joe Torre with those Yankee teams that had Derek Jeter and had Roger Clemens and, and had, I mean, on and on, uh, Bernie Williams... Uh, all the all the great Yankee players uh, that that they had and that came through those teams. David Wells pitching, Andy Pettit pitching, Mariano Rivera closing, Joe Torre's filling out a lineup card of Hall of Famers. How much? How many other managers would have been able to win World Championships the same way with the Yankees? Is my point. So yes, Orgeron gets it, gets a gets a national championship. All I'm saying here, and Chris Giannini's going to defend him more coming up in just a few moments here on Three Dog Thursday, there are a lot of other coaches with LSU's talent that would have gotten it done. There are a lot, And yes, you've got to be able to get the talent, but that, that has never been the issue at LSU. For 30 years, being able to get players in that state, in East Texas, in Arkansas, in Florida, to come to, uh, to LSU, never been a problem. Never been a problem to be able to get talent. But when Orgeron has no timeouts after the first quarter of a first half, (laughs) it's just, yeah, the assistant coach is a big deal. And now one of the assistants, Joe Brady, moves on to the Carolina Panthers who helped install that offense that Joe Burrow has been running the last couple of years. Um, Amazing. Amazing what LSU's been able to do. So we'll talk more about the Tigers. We'll talk more about these playoff games. Do I like one of the underdogs here? Either Tennessee or... The Packers both getting seven plus points, seven or seven and a half points for this weekend. And uh, we'll wait and see if either one of the road teams can pull it off. Because remember a year ago, the Rams stunned the the Saints. I know controversially, but the Rams stunned the Saints in the Superdome with a road win. There have been a lot of road wins in the conference championship games, including New England last year, also winning the AFC title game in that thrilling overtime win that they had both championship games OT last year including the Patriots winning at Kansas City in overtime. So what will happen with the road teams here, the Titans, and the Packers, we'll be talking about it. All right, 3-Dog Thursday brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. If you are looking for tickets, and they're going to be almost impossible to come by at Arrowhead, and the same way with Levi Stadium with the 49er fans, use Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app and use our promo code THURSDAY10 to save 10% off your order uh, with Vivid Seats. If you're a first-time user, sign up. Use the promo code THURSDAY10 and you'll save 10% off your order uh, there with Vivid Seats. Great selection, 100% a secure purchase with Vivid Seats. It takes you less than five minutes to sign up. I've used this over and over again, buying my own tickets to different events, whether it's here in the Tampa Bay area where I live or even for some tickets for some out-of-market games, friends, etc. Use Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Our promo code is THURSDAY10 to save 10% off of it. It's good for these college basketball games, whether you're talking Fog Allen Fieldhouse for Kansas, Cameron Indoor Stadium for Duke, Rupp Arena uh, for Kentucky, Carrier Dome, Syracuse, uh, Breslin Center, the Izzone, East Lansing, Pauley Pavilion, UCLA, uh, the Kennel out in Spokane for Gonzaga. Vivid Seats has got your tickets everywhere. Go on there for college basketball, NBA games from Madison Square Garden, uh, on to Staples Center in L.A. for LeBron and the Lakers now. Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app. Our promo code is THURSDAY10. That code is good no matter what the sport. NFL, college basketball, NBA, NHL, All-Star game that's coming up. Use the promo code THURSDAY10 and save with our friends, at Vivid Seats. All right, let's get underway with our guest, Chris Giannini, Winning Cures Everything podcast, then Brian Edwards, Brian Edwards, Sports.com, MajorWager.com. Ready to talk, recap of LSU's win, conference championship weekend in the NFL. Let's go. I cannot see him right now, but I have to believe that Grin is ear to ear. He's been talking LSU Tigers for weeks and weeks and weeks, not only on his Winning Cures Everything show and podcast, but also coming on as a guest on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, and it has happened. 15-0, national champions, college football, playoff champions. The LSU Tigers finish off the perfect season The Heisman Trophy season of Joe Burrow, they win the latest national championship, the third one in this century for LSU football, with a 42-25 victory over Clemson. And Chris Giannini is here right now. The grin has not left your face since Monday night, I have to believe.
0: No, no. Uh, Towards the fourth quarter, I began to feel like I could breathe again, and uh, life has been good ever since.
1: Well, I laid it out there just before you came on that Clemson was valiant in this game. And when the story is written uh, about this championship season for LSU, uh, you, you definitely uh, look at, uh, well, maybe three games. The Auburn game, which was a field goal game. The Alabama Wild game, which ended up 46-41. And this game as the three game, and yet yeah, Texas all the way back at the beginning of the year where Burrow was very good. So probably four games. But in this game, Clemson's up 17-7 to in the second quarter. Clemson's right in the game in the third quarter at 28-25. LSU tested, is my point. LSU passed the test, and then some. I mean, this is undefeated, undisputed, and all-time type stuff, right, Chris? Yes, sir. Before the game started, there were there were two things that hadn't happened for
0: both of these teams that they had in common. One, it wasn't the fact that they just didn't lose. But neither of these teams were really hitting them out the entire year. They never really fell behind. And, uh, and I was very curious, at, you know, be, being the LSU guy, and I thought we would win. I thought we'd win big. But at the same time, I also knew we've never been hitting them out. There's not a single team that's ever jumped out to a lead on us. And, and I didn't know how we would respond. But I also thought no team has done that to Clemson either. And so if we do it, can they get up either? Right. We fell down early. And, and it didn't seem to matter. When we hit back, it was ball game. Clemson did exactly what I kind of thought would happen if they got hit early, and that was fold. Um, they they, they kind of had it close in the third quarter because they opened up the third quarter with a quick drive mm, yep. and got the two-point conversion. And then after that, could do nothing. But even in the first half, it was the exact same. They scored the quick uh, 17 points and then couldn't do anything. Um, that's an attestment to Dave Aranda, that defense, they were prepared. Clemson threw everything but the kitchen sink yes, at they them did. in the first half, and they got 17 points off of it.
1: Well, and when they and, ran out of trick play,
0: it was
1: tough. Well, and the other, and, you know, and then there were some key moments. Uh, I mean, one of these, I understand what you're saying. One of those key moments is, I believed, and many others believe, that a turnover would be a huge deal. I said this on your show. I said a, a pick six, a sack fumble, something like that could be huge. And shoulda, coulda, woulda, burrow through one. Burrow through one right to a Clemson defensive back who dropped it. Who's going to maybe go in with a touchdown to put them in front, uh, 32 to 28, but it didn't happen. And then Clemson got the ball and couldn't do anything with it. And LSU got the ball back and stomped on the gas. And that was the game. And I don't know what would have happened even after the pick six, maybe LSU goes on to still score 45, 50 points. Who knows? It it just did not look like Clemson had a lot of answers as the game wore on with possession after possession. But I, I thought it was very competitive and uh, a, a fantastic end to the season for Clemson because you look at the gauntlet of beating Alabama at Alabama, beating Georgia essentially in a home-away-from-home home setting in Atlanta in the SEC title game and destroying them, coming back in the same building and destroying the Big 12, one-loss champion Oklahoma, and then motoring to New Orleans about 80 miles away and winning that game by 17 points over the defending national champs who are 14-0 and 0 when you're playing them. There is a strong argument here greatest college football season Chris and I know you're not going to argue with me on that there's a lot of merit to it
0: No I think I do believe and, and in it's not biased I mean if you really watch this thing and you were just a fan and you weren't a a a fan of a team that that hates this team then then you got it you got to give it to them I mean Uh, They have seven top 10 wins. Nobody's ever done that. All right, so you take Texas out of there because they're not really a top 10 team. Auburn's not a top 10 team, even though they were when they played them. Auburn's still a top 15 team. The top eight, they beat five of the top eight teams. Right. Like I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. How do you argue against it? And not only did they beat these teams, they dominated every one of these games. You named off a couple of, of close finals. At no point in time in the entire season, did not only did they not trail in the fourth quarter, but the other team never had the ball with a chance to score and take the lead. The reason the Alabama and the Auburn game were close is because both of those teams scored last in basic garbage time. They scored with a minute-something left to go on the clock, and they were down by two scores. Right. LSU gets the ball, they kneel the ball, and it's over. They they If you don't get the onside kick, you don't even have a chance. Um, and, and so – That is complete domination. That that is destructing great teams, not good teams. Great teams, um, in in a way in which we've never seen college football before.
1: And uh, you know, so I'm big on the the history of the game, short term and long term. You look at the USC teams that had Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush. Uh, and what they did earlier in the 2000s. And just before that, the Miami Hurricanes of 2000, 2001, 2002, again, they only got one championship out of that, the 01 season, the 02 Rose Bowl. Those teams that I'm making mention of, USC and Miami, did not play a semifinal game and then turn around a couple of weeks later and play the championship game because the format is now different. So you do have to give LSU more credit. Again, I know Chris is puffing up because I'm propping up his Tigers. He doesn't even have to do it. Yeah. You do have to give no, LSU no. more credit for winning a semifinal game in this scenario for an unbeaten 15 0. As opposed to, let, let's say back when Miami won the title in 01, there wasn't a Big East Conference Championship game. So they won 11 games that year. A lot of people don't realize and remember they weren't playing 12 games in 2001. They won 11 games that year and they won the 12th game in the Rose Bowl destroying Nebraska. To me, you do have to give these modern college football playoff teams more credit for winning a semifinal game and then the championship game. Chris, your thought on that real quick.
0: I agree with that. And then the regular season, <clears throat> they're just strength of schedule. We haven't had one this tough all year. Uh or, or, or it, that I can remember right, at all where a right. team actually was able to run the gauntlet. Um You know, there was a couple of teams that had tougher strength of schedules than LSU. They just couldn't win those games. Texas A&M had an unbelievable strength of schedule this year. They just couldn't win those games. South Carolina, the same thing. But, you know, none of those other championship teams played the caliber of opponents in the regular season before they even got to postseason play either. It's just a culmination of so many things and then how they did it. Um, What Ed Orgeron has done, his story – if Disney – Gary and I said this on on on, uh, on our show last night when we were recording. If Disney tried to write a cheesy movie, a, you know, sports movie <laughs> like they used to, nobody would take it. If they tried to write this story years ago, people would be like, come on now. That's just too much cheese. It's just no – it's not real that a guy get be so bad at his job and so embarrassing and get bounced all around the country and nobody really want him and he comes home. And he doesn't take the small school. He gets the biggest job in the state and leads them to a championship. No way. No way that happens.
1: But it happened. All right, so Chris Giannini with me, Winning Cures Everything podcast. He and Gary Seegers do a great job. Look them up, Uh, winningcureseverything.com, podcast, YouTube show under the same name, Winning Cures Everything. Love being on with these guys. They're great coming on with me on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, You wrote to Ed Orgeron, and you put this on social media. You wrote to Ed Orgeron in your fandom as an LSU fan, and he wrote you back. Pick up the story.
0: So yeah, I've never done that before, but at some point in time, early in the season, it was probably after the Florida game. Um, I, you know, I, I was feeling a little emotional. Love my Tigers. I thought this season would be special. I didn't know how special, and so I just sat down, typed up a letter, just to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm thankful that you're my coach, and and I'm thankful that you give LSU your very best. You, you always do. And I'm just grateful to have a coach. Not, and it's not any school's fault or any fan's fault, but there's only a few coaches in the country that aren't hired mercenaries. Okay? Everybody else is just a hired gun. All right? No, nobody has any attachment. I, 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 Ed is absolutely not a mercenary. Had he stayed at USC and gotten that job, he's just another guy taking a paycheck to coach a big school. But here he's not, and it means a lot to have a coach that, that loves your school. When I just I just told him those things, and uh, a couple of weeks later, it was probably the week after the Alabama game, I got a letter back. Now, it could have been written by some graduate assistant, some <laughs> GA, some, somebody in the office, I don't know. But, you know, I, it, it means a lot to me. He sent me a picture. He sent me a, a return letter. The letter referenced my letter, so at least I know somebody read it. And right. they didn't just say, hey, you got a letter. We got to write this guy back. And they just stamp us, you know, uh, thing on it. Um, but but that meant a lot. And that's like I don't collect anything. All right. I'm not a collector of stuff. Uh, I, I've tried in the past to get myself into memorabilia and I just can't do it. That, that'll that be something that I'll cherish and that'll be something that I'll I'll frame up and hang on my wall. and And, and it'll be something that, you know, matters to me. For the rest of my
1: life. If you want to see what Chris is talking about, you can go to his Twitter handle at Chris B Giannini and and see the the uh, response. Ed Orgeron signed something and responded to you. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, And a lot of these coaches will do that. There are a lot of people in sports that will do that. Sometimes sometimes it will take them time, but the important thing here uh, is you felt. I I just want to say some encouraging words to Ed Orgeron. And he felt that it was important enough, whether you were doing it, 50 people were doing it, or 500 people were doing it, I'm going to get back to you. And I feel fairly confident that there were probably numerous people encouraging him, and he probably did this for numerous people. And that says something that Ed Orgeron has maybe matured, learned, and understands. Uh, maybe he knew it all along, but understands it more, that it's important to recognize, acknowledge the people that are in your corner here because they're going to stay in your corner thick and thin. And so I, I thought that was neat. That in, this, in the season, a couple of weeks after you did this, he was willing uh, to respond to you. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a uh, an example. I have an Ohio State friend of, of mine. Um, that had written something to Jim Tressel during the season because they took a tough loss during the season. Back uh, 15 years ago, probably for Ohio State, like mid 2000s, they took a tough loss. And Jim Tressel wrote him back two days later, which I thought was interesting because a lot of times yeah. these guys might wait Chris until after the season. But I thought it was interesting that Tressel was so on top of it, he wrote him a thank you back for encouraging me two days later. So my point is, when you get it that quickly, as you did, I think it's sincere. I think it probably came from Orgeron with somebody helping him. And I, and I think that says a lot for Ed Orgeron there on that. So I like that. It's
0: going to always be a, a lot to me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's an outstanding coach and, and, and a great man. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I think he cares about these kids. I really do. I think he absolutely loves where he's at. And he does. he gets to say it and not have to sell it. You know, and the only—I'm sure there's other coaches that I'm not thinking of. I know because I'm close to some guys at Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald's a Northwestern man, right? And 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 he's not a mercenary. And that guy's had NFL offers and conversations, and he's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not leaving my home." Um, and uh, and so that's the best thing uh, about having a guy like like that be your coach, is is there security and and safety and knowing that that he's there because he wants to be not just because we're the highest paid gig in town.
1: Phenomenal end of the college football season, obviously, for LSU. That's 10 titles in 15 years for the SEC, by the way, uh, to tell you how good that conference has been. And in in, in several of those losses, it was an SEC team that lost the title game uh, in the mix with that. So... Uh, Incredible run that that conference has been on. Incredible run for Dabo, Sweeney, and Clemson. Can they sustain it as well uh, with as good as they have been? We will find out. So we have put the college season to bed uh joe burrow obviously in the all-time category right now for that year uh will it translate to the nfl we will find out. I'll i'll hit you with that real quick do you believe joe burrow he's going to go to a bad team it's likely the Bengals. is joe burrow going to translate into a good if not great nfl quarterback I, that's an unknown what do you think
0: ah. I think he's the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck, and he might be a better prospect than Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck didn't have the wheels. He did run a lot. He didn't have the the, the track record of big games because he didn't have the opportunity at Stanford to play in this many big games. Um, but, uh, but I think he's that level good. Now, the problem is, is can Cincinnati do something that Cincinnati hasn't done since, what, the 80s,
1: <laughs> which is
0: build a team around somebody?
1: Right, right.
0: Um, You know, they've had transcendent talent. AJ Green is one of the greatest receivers in, in, in my lifetime, but he's played on bad teams his entire career. And can they actually put a team together? Can they build a coaching staff that makes guys better? I don't know the answer
1: to that. I think we do Um, know the answer to that. They've demonstrated over and over again they can't. They don't know what they're doing, and especially even without Marvin Lewis. We'll see. We'll see. It it is likely they're going to grab him. It is likely that it's going to be bad, at least for a year or a couple of years. We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, All right, so that kind of segues us to the NFL. There are two games remaining. I know you guys have been talking about this as we talk with Chris Giannini, Winning Cures Everything podcast. He and Gary Seegers, fantastic job. Go to Winning Cures on Twitter, Winning Cures Everything. Everything Facebook page, Winning Cures Everything, YouTube show is the simulcast. You see these guys on video, it's the simulcast of their podcast, and they have been talking NFL playoffs. Uh, So we get two rematches from the regular season for the championship games. We get the Tennessee Titans, the upstart Titans that have now won uh, dramatically a couple of times on the road in the playoffs here playing at Kansas City where they won earlier this year over Kansas City in the regular season. And then in the afternoon or the uh, the late afternoon in the West, in the evening uh, in the East and Central time zone, Green Bay and San Francisco rematch from a 49er beatdown Thanksgiving week or the weekend before Thanksgiving uh, in November. Packers, by the way, haven't lost since then. That should be pointed out, including their playoff win over Seattle last week. So Tennessee, a 7-point or 7.5-point, depending on where you're looking, underdog at Kansas City. Green Bay, the same, a 7.5- or 7-point underdog in most places at San Francisco. For Three Dog Thursday purposes, do you like either of these or both of these Packer-Titan underdogs? Chris, what do you think?
0: If I had to lean, I would go with the hometown Tennessee Titans. Um, it, it, the Chiefs scare me. The Chiefs scare me a lot because if they get out early, and the Titans have to get away from the run, then uh, then I think it it leads to dangerous things for Tennessee, and the Chiefs can can make this thing ugly. But if the if the Titans gets the if the Titans win the the most important thing for them is either to make a stop in the first drive or win the coin toss and take the football and then they have to establish the run and they have to basically play what I call army football, Navy football, <laughs> keep the ball <laughs> on the ground, Keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. Listen, they beat Tom Brady by not playing a lot of defense. Okay. Keep the offense on the field. Tom's not on the field. He can't do anything special. They beat, um, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, doing the exact same thing. If you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes, you better do the same thing. Mike Lombardi says this all the time, and I quote him constantly, the best way to play defense is to not play defense. Okay? Yeah,
1: keep them off you the want, field, you shorten want those, the game.
0: That's right. You want you want those guys off the field. You want this game to be over in, in in two and a half hours, and and you want to run the ball, you want to milk the clock, and you want to score as often as you can score, but I think, Eating clock and and taking up field position and yardage is more important than scoring. Um, They only needed 14 points to beat the Pats. I know the Pats' offense is substantially worse than the Chiefs' offense, but it's just a concept of the fact that if you get the other team behind. And, and they're playing from behind the sticks and, and 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 trying to catch up. Then then everything goes in your favor defensively.
1: And the perfect um, well, the perfect example. Let me interject is last week. So they fall behind uh, incredibly, twenty four to nothing. It's one of the most incredible turnarounds in a short time frame. But it's your point. You kept putting Mahomes back out on the field, and this is what you're going to get when you give him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity with those weapons. And Tennessee can't get into a slugfest. I'm a big boxing guy. You know this, Chris. Tennessee can't get in the middle of the ring and trade punches here uh, and not get knocked out in Arrowhead with Mahomes. If you get in there and give them the ball eight, nine, ten times in this game, they're going to get four or five touchdowns, and they're going to beat you. What you want is give it to them six or seven times maybe in this game and hope that they get two or three touchdowns or less, and that's how you win it, and that's how Tennessee's been winning it. Uh, Okay, a couple of quick pointers on it. Can Derrick Henry run the same way that he's been running? He ran for 180 yards in each of the playoff games here. He also ran for 180 yards against... The Chiefs, is that the biggest key? Can he do it again? Can he do it one more time? What do you think is going to happen? I, I, do, I don't know if he hits 180, but I absolutely do think he can
0: continue to do this against the Chiefs just because their front seven is not great. And, uh, and, and we found that when he gets into the secondary, these guys just can't tackle him. They, they just can't. The best tacklers in the country haven't been able to stop him. Uh, when he gets into the secondary, just the size and strength differential is so bad um, with those guys. They they don't they, they they're not bringing him down. And uh, and yeah, I think if he can if he can be the monster he's been, I don't know that he needs 180 yards. Uh, I think he can probably do it with less. 180 yards is unbelievable, by the right. way. Like there's nobody in the history of football that's done three games in a row with 180 yards. Like, he just doesn't happen. But can he get 150? sure I don't, I don't see anybody stopping him the only way that he doesn't get his is is arthur smith that's the only guy that can take him out of this game is if they get behind and they say
1: oh, that's the titans run. offensive coordinator right. that you're talking about that's a titans play caller uh if they get yes, frisky sir. and start trying to do other things Uh, We will see. So that'll be an entertaining one. And again, Green Bay and San Francisco, who are both tradition rich with NFL championships for the Packers, Super Bowl championships eventually later for the Packers. And the 49ers obviously have been synonymous with being in the Super Bowl in the 80s and the 90s. They have been there once in the 2010s trying to get back there. So two iconic teams, and again, that's a rematch. I would be stunned, stunned if this is a blowout again for San Francisco. I was stunned at the first blowout. They held Aaron Rodgers to like 170 yards. They sacked him repeatedly. I would be shocked if they do that again, if they follow it up again. I do not think this is a blowout. Chris, quick quick thought. You're going to be as shocked as me if that's the case for the 49ers?
0: I'm not. I'm not. I think the Forty ers team is the most complete, best team in the playoffs. I thought that when the playoffs started, and I also thought that uh, this Packers team is just—they've won games with smoke and mirrors and doing things differently. And and I'm just—I'm just not going to. I haven't bought into them all year. I haven't gotten excited about them all year. Um, and uh, and maybe that's just wrong. I'll you're you're aware play. they They're won
1: 13 points. games. You're aware they won 13 games I, in the regular I season. I watched yeah. a lot of those. games. <laughs>
0: They're all one score games. I went through the schedule. I don't know that they beat a single really good team outside of the Vikings twice.
1: Interesting. Well, we will. Uh, I mean, they, they, because, they certainly did they beat. Only six, right, right. They certainly did beat the Seahawks last wins. week. Right, right.
0: Well, but I don't know that the Seahawks were a great team. We saw them win the whole. Them and the Packers were the exact same team. Every win looked like it was all smoke and mirrors, and just you don't know how they came up winning the football game because they looked like the lesser team. But, but one of the biggest things the schedule worked out for them is they only won six games last year. So they got to play like a third-place schedule, you know, throughout their season. Now well, They're about to go up against one of the best
1: teams in all of football. Yep, and they got to do it on the road and we'll find out if they can. And of course, there's been some history with Packers and 49ers in the in the playoffs. Remember the fame Terrell Owens' uh, catch came against the Green Bay Packers with Steve Young on the other end of it. We'll That's see right. we'll see if we get any craziness. I, again, I would be surprised if this is a blowout. It seems to me Chris thinks it could be a blowout for San Francisco to get into Super Bowl 54. We will find out. We'll find out more about what these guys are up to on winning cures everything chris tell them more about how and where they find you and find the show and the and the podcast
0: yeah our podcast is anywhere you can get podcasts winning cures everything uh you can go to winning cures everything.com that's our website we post all our podcast stuff there you can find us there i'm on twitter at uh chris bg you can also find us at winning cures um on twitter we're on facebook we're on youtube um everything's at winning cures everything or winning cures just search it out you can't miss
1: us Chris Giannini and Gary Seegers do a great job. Follow Chris at Chris B. Giannini. Go check out that, as he put it on social media, that response and autograph from Ed Orgeron after he wrote to him. LSU. He's already got the championship shirt. He's got the Mardi Gras purple and gold beads. He's he's set from uh from an amazing season from LSU's win. Chris, I always love talking with you. We'll see what happens uh, with this weekend with the NFL playoffs as we head towards the Super Bowl. And uh, I look forward to being on with you guys and having you guys on the same way as we morph into college basketball here on Three Dog Thursday. For now, thank you, sir. Enjoy the games this weekend.
0: Yes, sir. I appreciate you being on.
1: And we love the insight of Chris Giannini. He and Gary Seegers on that podcast, Winning Cures Everything. Brian Edwards coming up straight ahead from BrianEdwardsSports.com, Vegas Insider, as well as MajorWager.com. Great facts, information, injury information, game nuggets on MajorWager.com. Brian will be here with a conversation on the LSU championship game win, where do they rank all time, some college coaching carousel, then some NFL a conversation and does he dare take one of the underdogs, either Tennessee or Green Bay, that is coming up. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by Play Pick 6. All right, so if you're interested in showing what you know, great new app to play for free, playpick6.com. Jump on board on the Apple Store, the Google Play Store, and download their app, and uh, make some predictions across different sports, by the way. Not every prediction app lets you pick the games across their sports, but Play Pick Six does. You've got a great opportunity to pick six games. And if you are correct on all six in a given day, you win a great restaurant gift card just by signing up and playing for free wherever you are. Free, 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 wherever you are. Download the Play Pick Six app. And go pick the six games, whether it's college basketball mixed with the NBA. Pick those Sunday championship games. Maybe you like the favorites, unlike Three Dog Thursday. Maybe you like San Francisco. Maybe you like the Kansas City Chiefs. Pick those games with some college hoops, with some NBA, mix in the NHL, crossover sports, pick any six games, show what you know at Play Pick 6 and get a restaurant gift card. And if you want to keep it even simpler, pick the score in any one given day of one game. Pick the exact score of one of these NFL championship, conference championship games. Pick a college basketball game, the exact score, an NBA game, the exact score, one time a day, you can pick one game if you get the exact score correctly. You get a restaurant gift card just by playing the one-and-done game on the Play Pick 6 app. Again, download the app. Free. Google Play Store. Also, the Apple Store. It'll take you a couple of minutes to sign up. It's free to play. It's free to win. Mix and match your sports college basketball, the NBA, the NHL. We love the insight. The NFL is winding down to two more games, but you can mix and match on Sunday with the conference championship games with college hoops, with the NBA, with the NHL, with Play Pick Six. Just remember the name. Go to playpicksix.com to get more information. Download the app, Apple Store, Google Play Store. It is Play Pick Six.
0: dogs a barking. who will get it done this
1: week three dog thursday now continues here again is t.j reeves man we got so much to get to with brian edwards of brian MajorWager.com, and vegas insider i don't know where to begin we got championship sunday in the nfl for the afc title game kansas city tennessee nfc title game san francisco green bay We're recapping the college football playoff championship win for LSU. Uh, Where do they rank in the pantheon of all-time teams? We got coaching carousel in college football. Brian's telling me off the air, we got to talk college basketball. We got to talk college basketball for a second. He's telling me off the air, co-feature fight UFC. Co-feature fight UFC for an underdog. I don't know where to begin, continue, or end with you, my friend. It's always good to be back with Brian Edwards. How are you? Thank you,
2: sir. TJ, I'm uh glad to be back. Another three dog <laughs> Thursday, uh, the last couple of weeks has met Derek Henry and the oh. Tennessee Titans. But we could we we can start wherever you want.
1: All right, we'll get to the NFL in a moment. Let's go let's just go chronologically. LSU wins. We've already been talking earlier in the podcast. Uh, impressive, Clemson, valiant. Yes, they didn't get the cover. I thought that they might hang in. They, it was twenty-eight, twenty-five, third period. They didn't. They didn't win. They didn't get the cover. All right. So, to you? Where do you rank this LSU team? Fifteen and O, Heisman winner Burrow, sixty touchdown passes. Yes, he had fifteen games to throw sixty touchdown passes. But where? Where do you rank this team all time? How impressive is this? What are your thoughts, Brian? Go.
2: Oh man, top. Top teams ever, it, it's got to be top five, and I say that because of Joe Burrow and the greatness of him and obviously he had a great group of wide receivers. Um, I find it hard to compare like running backs and quarterbacks. Like I don't want to talk about Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson and, and Tony Dorsett and Barry Sanders compared – to Burrow and other great quarterbacks. But in terms of the great quarterbacks, at least of my lifetime, and I go back to avidly following, you know, probably at age six, so 1980, the only quarterbacks that had the type of seasons Burrow had and the natty to go with it and all that good stuff, I can really only think of three. Danny Werfel in 1996 with I. Killyard and Redale Anthony and JaQues Green. Right. And then there was Tebow 08 uh, with Percy and all those other, you know, Hernandez, Lewis Murphy, et cetera. And then Cam Newton 2010 at Auburn. And really those three quarterback seasons, there were all Heisman and Natty with the exception of Tebow who had the uh, Heisman in 07, the Natty in a lesser role with Chris Leak 06, and then the big year 08. But, man, Burrow – I mean, I, I had a horrible football season, but I had three of my biggest bets of the year on LSU against Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson down the stretch. I'm not saying it got me to even for the football season, but uh, with my great NBA start here, it, it, when I was on a 16-1 and run going into two nights ago, but I went 1-1 and then 0-3 last night. It was still a 17-5 and run. Um, and so now I am uh, – I'm rallying, baby. I hear you. I hear, I hear tomorrow, you. Man. Well, all
1: right. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't, you cannot deny when they beat Alabama at Alabama, and then Georgia on the neutral air quotes field, which was actually home away from home SEC title game for Georgia, and they demolished them. Come back to the same building a month later and kill Oklahoma, the twelve and one Big Twelve. Uh, champs, and and then turn around and beat the defending national champs in Clemson. Now look, there will probably be some fight you. An, or- an Oregon fan would say Mariota and all those stats and all those wins uh, at Oregon. Uh, you, you can look at a couple of other ones, whether uh, it's Alabama with Hurts or Alabama with Tua last year. Granted, they lost the title game. The point that you're making is you have the total package. You have the unbeaten season, record-breaking quarterback who wins the Heisman, and you won the championship game. you got to kind of factor all the those in cam newton was pretty unstoppable in 2010 when you watch that quarterbacking season and he was a one-man wrecking crew throwing it and running it that year and they beat chip kelly in oregon in that year too so it's great for comparisons that that 01 miami team i keep coming back to with all of those players uh, from from Willis McGahee to Clinton Portis to Andre Johnson to Jeremy Shockey to Vince Wilfork to Jonathan Vilma that were all on that O one team that won the Rose Bowl and beat Nebraska that would have been a great game with this LSU team. There's there's no doubt that would have been a fantastic yeah. game to see when we're comparing teams. Obviously, Brian, real quick.
2: Um, yeah, and. and... And Ken Dorsey, I can't put him in the league as no. all those other guys. But what a great no. winner he was! Sure, and he took advantage of all his weapons. Uh, and then that now ninety five Nebraska. Yeah. You know, Tommy Frazier was a different type of guy. But I, I, I put that ninety five Nebraska team up there, the top ten teams ever, because I was there for sixty two twenty four against my Gators. Yeah. Um.
1: But and yeah. defensively, um, defensively, they were devastating that Nebraska team. And Lawrence Phillips, the late Lawrence Phillips, running the ball uh, as woo. well. So they woo. they had a lot there in the in the nineties when we compare uh, teams. So. Uh, Anyway, there there you go on the comparisons uh, with that. All right, so quickly, let's just go chronologically. Coaching carousel, Mississippi State job came open after their horrific bowl game performance, and Mike Leach ends up taking it. And I think that Brian Edwards is not only all about that hire, The SEC West ought to be its own Netflix reality show for this year between him getting added to Mississippi State, Kiffin to Ole Miss. You already have Coach O at LSU, Saban at Alabama, Jimbo at Texas A&M. This sells itself, doesn't it, the SEC West now?
2: It does. And and shame on Arkansas and Missouri for not having the sense enough. And and I'm not second-guessing. I'm first-guessing because I said – Missouri and Arkansas should both target Mike Leach, and good on Mississippi State for doing so, getting their guy. I mean, Mississippi State, the program started in 1895. (laughs) They've won 11 games, never. Mike Leach won 11 games in Lubbock and Pullman, the two biggest Power 5 outposts, and now he's probably in the third biggest Power 5 outpost in Starkville, and they get good news yesterday. Keelan Hill, the running back, had declared to go pro. SEC's third leading rusher decides he's coming back. Errol Thompson, their leading tackler, declared to go pro. Now he's coming back. Everybody wants in on this leech train. Leach versus Lane. Uh, he's also won uh, 10 games uh, multiple times. MSU's won 10 games three times. They've won <laughs> nine games eight times he's won nine games seven times and I'm talking about compared to starting in 1895 to 18 years in Pullman and Lovick great hire it'll be fun awesome stuff by John Cohen the Mississippi State AD
1: and get ready you think you've seen them throw the ball whether it's Dak Prescott or Nick Fitzgerald uh with Dan Mullen uh, there as the coach or Moorhead the last couple of years Uh, Just wait. Just wait for 65, 70, 75 pass attempts in a game. It's coming. They're in Starkville. All right, so Wazoo, Washington State out west, they hired the Hawaii coach, Nick Rolovich. Interesting. And now the Baylor job that's open right now at the time that we're taping on Three Dog Thursday, Matt Rule, the Baylor coach, took the Carolina Panthers job in the NFL, and Baylor scrimped. The carousel has now bled into mid-January here, Brian Edwards, and Baylor's still looking for a coach. Uh, Yeah,
2: and they might get an active, standing current coach to open – Another gig, but it looks like it's not going to be Justin Fuente. But if I'm Virginia Tech, I'm not happy with my man, Justin Fuente, at all. For him to even have our program's name in the national news to be considering a lateral job or a downward job uh, to Baylor, I would not be happy. Especially Um, at this
1: stage, especially two weeks into January, you're saying.
2: Yes, and I love Rolovich. Let's remember, post June Jones, Hawaii went back in the tank big time. And let's remember, they have horrible facilities. Um, you know, they have a lot of things that are that are, put them in kind of a handicapped role, even against the Mountain West. And, and you know, all the travel they have to do to the east. And he got that program back, won double digit uh, wins this year, beat two Pac-12 teams, a thrilling bowl comeback. Rolovich is the man. He's an aggressive coach. He's not Leach, but he uh he it's the same pass-heavy type offense. He's done a great job of Cole McDonald. I think he'll do very well Washington State. Maybe not to the standard of Leach, but that's a good hire. And keep an eye on Dave Aranda, the LSU DC. He clearly wants to make a move to head coaching. If he's not in the mix for Baylor, I, I've, I've seen his name mentioned there. I don't know how serious. He spent four years as an assistant at Hawaii, and he was supposedly right. even given thought for a minute to go into UNLV. So if he thought about that, he would certainly think about going
1: to Hawaii. I got one. I got one. How about how about this? Uh, I have no insight. I don't report these things. I am completely connecting the dots with educated speculation. You ready? Eric Bieniemy can't get an NFL gig even though he's qualified, he's deserving of the opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. If the Chiefs win Sunday and they're in the Super Bowl, uh, how attractive would Eric Bieniemy, who's coached previously in the uh, in the Midwest as an assistant, played at Colorado, offensive-minded guy? Baylor has had the high-powered offense before. that That might be an interesting name because he may just decide, you know what? I'll go prove at college level for five, six million dollars a year that I can coach, and I'll be in the NFL in two or three years or less after I do it. I'm just throwing that name out there. Keep an eye on that name. Who knows? I have no connection, but it would be wild. Yeah
2: for Baylor or Hawaii
1: No for Baylor for Baylor if oh, okay. I'm yeah, I mean he's in the Midwest uh he's been rebuffed sure. I have no connection to this but they could do a lot worse at Baylor because Bienemy would put a staff together he's an offensive minded guy with what they've been doing with Mahomes at Kansas yeah. City are you kidding me that he couldn't sell quarterbacks and receivers to come to Baylor when he's been working with Patrick Mahomes the last 2 years I, out of that I, I I don't have that on any authority I'm just saying sure. that'd be an interesting name who knows?
2: I, I hear that, and I like that. The only thing that makes me hesitate on it, but it could have changed now Now that we've gone to, because, like, Colorado is his alma mater, and I think he could have had Colorado last year, and I think the fact that he didn't go after it, makes me think he's dead set on the Maybe. NFL but then again then again he might have thought he was getting an NFL job yep. last year when Colorado hired Tucker and yep. now he thought it again this year so now he, he might be frustrated with two more rounds of not
1: getting it. That's a great point that he, he went and interviewed but at Carolina it's yeah. a, it's an intriguing one yeah he went and interviewed at Carolina he went and, and interviewed at the Giants and Carolina hired a college coach and the Giants hired listen to me sounding like Eric Bieniemy's agent on the Three Dog Thursday podcast Brian Edwards er, er, Eric me went an interview with the Giants, they hired a guy that's never been a head coach before in Joe Judge, and he may be sitting there going, I-, I can just go to college on a on a on a key job in a power five conference, make four or five million, and in a year or two uh, demonstrate I should be in the NFL as a head coach by doing that. So maybe maybe that is what he'll do. I don't know. Chiefs got to take care of business first. All right. So there is yeah. the the coaching carousel uh, part of all of this. Let's move into these games for championship uh, Sunday. Uh, I want to talk NFL, and then I want to touch on a couple of other things because I know you've got an underdog in the UFC, and we got to talk a little college hoops with Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards dot com, dot com to find him. Uh, all right. So these these two conference championship games. Can the Titans' upset run continue at Kansas City? And then you've got the Packers and the 49ers, which are two staples of the NFC, the NFC Championship, the Super Bowl, and they're going at it uh, for a spot in Super Bowl 54. Do you like either of the underdogs, Tennessee or Green Bay? Maybe you like them both. What say you, Brian Edwards?
2: I like the Tennessee Titans. I like Bully Ball. I like Derek. Henry who is the type of bruising between the tackles running back who was built for January football in the elements hot as a firecracker the last 3 games yep. gone north of 180 yards 34 workmanlike carries against the Pats 30 carries last week just feed me coach feed this horse and say oh let me first go that Kansas City number 26 run defense in the league, and we still don't know about Chris Jones, unless I've missed anything. Didn't play last week. By far, KC's best defensive tackle. Uh, I see him listed as questionable. Yep.
1: At the time I, that we I are mean, taping, it is iffy at best that he plays, and how effective will he be if he plays? So that's a big question mark for Kansas City, no doubt.
2: Yeah, uh, and just a couple more points on Tennessee: uh, seven and three, both straight up and against the spread, and ten road assignments, and. Say what you want about Ryan Tannehill. The stats haven't been flashy or pretty the last two games, but they've been playing with the lead and just hammering Henry, which is the recipe to beat Kansas City, control clock, time of possession, keep Mahomes on the sidelines. Now, look, that that offense of Mahomes and that explosion for three quarters last week makes it a little scary for sure. But Tannehill, last nine games, 17 to 2 tdi and t ratio he's not turning it over and when you got a workhorse running back just don't turn over the ball move the sticks keep Mahomes off the field i like the titans plus the seven and a half
1: It is interesting when you're talking about the road team trying to go now and win three times in a row, which Tennessee, this has happened. Uh, It's happened with the New York Giants. It's happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's happened numerous times where a team has gone and won three times in a row on the road, so it's not unprecedented uh, that that would that that would happen. Uh, I'm in, I'm interested. This is the first time, Brian. You love these stats. This is the first time since the 2010 season, the 2011 AFC Championship playoff. A game that we don't have the Patriots or the Ravens in the title game. That was the Jets and the Steelers that year. So we got to go back now nine years to the last time that we haven't had the Patriots or the Ravens in this game. And if you're wondering about the road team being able to cover, much less win, uh, it, it has been tough on the road team to to even be able to cover. Uh, in this game. The underdog um, came through last year with New England, obviously, with the un- with the overtime win. Uh, the underdog actually has been better, I'm sorry, in the AFC game. So the last two years, uh, New England winning in overtime last year in Kansas City is a win, obviously, and a cover. Jacksonville is a 7.5-point underdog two years ago covered against New England, but the point is, those are both involving the Patriots, who aren't playing. So let's see if Tennessee can put it, uh, put it together again here against a Kansas City team that comes off an incredible comeback. I mean, we we overuse incredible, unbelievable, unreal, unreal to be behind twenty-four to nothing in the first half and roar back by halftime and be in the lead. That's as amazing a second quarter as you're going to see in a playoff game. Let's see if it used Kansas City a, a little bit here that they were able to get that win, uh, and now they're a step away from the Super Bowl if they can take care of business at home in this one against the titans who are looking to be back in the super bowl for the first time uh, in 20 years uh, since they uh, they got there against the then st louis rams Uh, we will find out if tennessee can get back there or not Uh, all right so over on the nfc side of things i don't sense that you are looking strongly at the green bay packers here even though they are a seven and a half point underdog rematch games in both of these and interesting that the road team brian tennessee uh in kansas city won the earlier matchup in this case the road team green bay got torched in the same place in late november how much do you think that weighs into this championship game that san francisco beat them badly late in the year
2: uh no a ton. I mean, it maybe gives San Fran more confidence, but that could border on overconfidence, and it gives Green Bay uh, the revenge angle. Um, So I don't think that that plays in too terribly much, but... uh I'm not on the underdog in that
1: game. Well, how about, and we're speaking of running the ball with Derrick Henry, do you know this stat? Last week, the 49ers ran the ball 47 times against the Vikings. Kyle Shanahan going like 1980s, grind them out, old school. The 49ers have never run the ball 47 times in their entire playoff history. Win or lose. So obviously he has a mentality, we are going to run the ball. We will run the ball until Green Bay demonstrates they can stop it uh, in this one. All right, so we'll see uh, what happens with quick, that. And a quick and, yeah, go quick ahead. comment there, yeah, TJ.
2: Yeah. Uh, I love Kyle Shanahan, but uh, I wish he'd have done that in the second and a half, second half of the only Super Bowl I've ever <laughs> been to in Houston when we were up twenty-eight to three. Oh,
1: I your Falcons, your Falcons against the Patriots, run the ball in the second half, run so I the think clock. It
0: four times
1: in the oh, second half. He got two pass uh, happy, and maybe he's learned from that. But yeah, how about how about another stat? The 49ers pass for the fewest yards ever. Montana, Young, name one, Jeff Garcia, quarterback, any of them. Go back to John Brody quarterbacking the the 49ers of the 70s in the playoffs. They have never passed for that few yards in any playoff game, win or lose. It was their fewest passing yards. It was their most rushing attempts. It's definitely different. We'll see if Green Bay can hang in. Uh, there with San Francisco as uh, as this rolls on. All right, so Brian Edwards uh, with me here. A few more moments. MajorWager.com. You also read his picks and his stuff on Vegas Insider uh, as well. And you are big on the UFC card that is coming this weekend. Conor McGregor uh, headlining. He's the main event. But it's the co-feature fight that you are interested in as well.
2: Yes. So Anthony Showtime Pettis. He is the former 155-pound lightweight champ. So the last few years, he's been fighting only the best of the best. Uh, Tony Ferguson has won 12 fights in a row and is about to fight uh, Khabib for the 155 title. Okay, Pettis lost to him in a great fight, October of 18. It was the fight of the night. It was a bloodbath. At the end of round two. Uh, Pettis had a broken hand, and his, uh, his longtime coach would not let him go out uh, for the third round because he had a bad cut, and he, he didn't want him to you know, risk further injury. So that was a great fight he lost. He wanted to go up to 170 pounds and fight Wonderboy Thompson, who had fought for the 170-pound title uh, multiple times. He goes up to 170 for the first time in his career, and he knocks Wonderboy out. So then he gets the fight with Nate Diaz, and they did it at 170. Great fight, but Diaz is a little, I think the fight at 170 favored him. He's a little taller, bigger guy, and his cardio just got the best of pettis. But again, a great fight, and now he's going back to 155, and he's fighting Carlos Diego Fejeja, and Fejeja has won five in a row, but none against ranked, Fighters, okay, and you go back even further with Pettis. He beat a very good Michael Chiesa. He lost to Poirier, but that was also a fight of the night, like the Ferguson fight. And Poirier just fought uh, Habib for the title. And then you go back; he beat Jim Miller, and then his another last loss was to Max Holloway, the 145-pound champ. He's been jumping around weight classes. He's back to 155 as natural weight class. He's 32. Uh, Fah- Faheja is 34, and it's a big step up in class for him. We get the underdog odds with Pettis. Pettis has way more big fight experience. You got to understand, this is going to be a huge raucous crowd with all the Ireland fans. Pettis is accustomed to that. I don't know that Fah- Faheja is. Pettis is plus 200. Why I have? No idea. I like Pettis plus the 200. I'll just say about McGregor Cowboy, um, Cowboy, if you like him as the underdog, the Irish fans will keep pounding him with money. Be patient. You'll be able to get him to the best underdog price Saturday afternoon if Interesting. you like Cowboys. The longer that fight goes, advantage Cowboy. I'm afraid Conor might catch him early, but if he doesn't, Cowboy's got better cardio. And the longer the fight
1: goes, advantage Cowboy. Interesting. All right, so a little UFC talk with the co-feature and the main event. Uh, Brian, big on that. You can read more. Brian BrianEdwardsSports.com, MajorWager.com, where he's writing about all of these and what he's talking about. I cannot let you get away before we're gone here on Three Dog Thursday. We have seen more upsets again. uh, The number, I just saw the number again. Trey Wingo tweeted this out. Uh, on Thursday morning at the time that we're taping here to put the podcast out, that with the upset of Alabama beating Auburn, so that's one of the two remaining undefeated teams being beaten, Auburn was in the top five, Alabama was unranked, Clemson beating Duke the other night, on and on down the list, we now have had 22 unranked teams beat a top 10 team this season that's more than any time ever in the history of the ap poll before the end of january and it's only january the 16th how about that we have seen a ton of upsets i guess the blanket question to you is do we really know who's good right now at the top of college basketball or right now are we still trying to figure that out over the next four or five weeks well, I think we're still trying to
2: figure it out to a certain extent, but let me uh, I, let me throw. I, I'll give. I'll go ahead and predict my national title winner just Ooh. to go off
1: the beaten path. Ooh. I,
2: Dayton out of the A-10, is gonna <laughs> win the
1: national title. The whole thing. <laughs> and, now wait a minute. You yeah. were talking to me about Dayton like a month ago and and, and liking yeah. them as a dark horse team. Now you have just jumped off the Acapulco yeah. cliff and, and are cliff diving from three hundred feet into the rocks and the water below with Dayton. What what are you yeah. doing here? Why?
2: Yeah. Well, they might have the best player in America in Obi Toppin. They got might have the best glue guy. In America, in McKessel. they've got a deep group of guards that can all shoot the three. Chapman, uh, Crusher, uh, Crusher, I'm sorry, Watson. They've won 14 of 15 games by double figure margins, and the one they won by single digits was the season opener. They have not lost in regulation all year. They lost in overtime at Colorado. They led Kansas the whole game in the Maui uh, finals, Maui Classic finals, and lost in overtime to Kansas, and they've got, again, Obi Toppin, the horse. I'll give you one more. Now, I think Florida might be a slight favorite on Saturday, but assuming, yeah, the rankings don't come out until next week, Auburn will still be top ten and Florida will be unranked, Uh, but they might be a short favorite. But Florida is going to beat Auburn at home on Saturday for another win like that. And just a quick shout-out, to Rutgers, which has not been in the tournament wow. since 91. Wow. They get their guard Theo Baker back last night. I know Indiana's a down year, but another spread covering victory for Rutgers. They're 13-4. and four. None of their losses are shameful. They're up to number 28 in Ken Palm. If today was Selection Sunday, the Scarlet Knights would be going dancing for the first time in 29 years.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, they've they've had scandal, they've had firings. They're better, they're improved in the Big Ten. Uh, I got I got a stat for you. North Carolina is struggling mightily. There has never been an NCAA tournament with Rutgers in it and North Carolina not in it. But we may be and UCLA's not going to be there either. <laughs> well, how about how about how about an NCAA tournament with Rutgers in it and no Carolina and no UCLA? You added to it. Wow, yeah. if that is the case. Uh, stay tuned. It's that crazy of a year in, in, uh, in top 25 college basketball and at the top, Florida and Auburn Saturday afternoon, if they're listening to us on Three Dog Thursday. Auburn, even though they're ranked, probably going to be the underdog in that game. I know we're regionally and state biased. Florida State... Uh, beats Virginia midweek they look outstanding how about the stat Brian Edwards that Leonard Hamilton in his last 61 games this includes a bunch of quality ACC games Last 61 games at home, hello 58-3 and at the Donald Tucker Center after they beat Virginia last night. So Florida State, legit. I think that Kansas team, they bounced back after the Baylor loss. They look great against Oklahoma. If they stay healthy, they've got... Uh, a couple of injuries if they stay healthy they'll probably be there at the end gonzaga will probably be there at the end uh, duke you know will be there at the end kentucky probably they lost on the last second three uh, midweek to south carolina but we don't i mean we don't know there may be some dark horses that do some damage here and you're calling dayton in mid-january as a final four you believe that strongly that go jump on dayton as a final four team right now brian edwards
2: They're cutting the net
1: down DJ. and
2: I'm not talking about after the Elite 8
1: they're cutting all the nets down on a Monday night uh, they begin the NCAA tournament every year in Dayton and my man Brian Edwards says at the Mercedes-Benz stadium uh, on the first Monday night of, of April that Dayton will end the NCAA tournament as the champs you call that one steak dinner is on me my friend stand by all for five. about two months from now let's see or uh, three months from now for the for the final four let's see what happens long way to go in this college basketball. basketball. Basketball season. Uh, Again, some interesting games in college uh, for Saturday, uh, including that Houston Wichita State game. Wichita State losing to Temple midweek. Uh, Louisville at Duke uh, in the bounce back, Nevada at, at San Diego State, who's undefeated, BYU at Gonzaga late Saturday. So again, we're, we're going to be heavy into college basketball next week. Why, Brian Edwards? We got no NFL games. We got no college games next week on Three Dog Thursday. So lots of college hoops uh, to be on the show Next week, all right. Plug away one more time. Where do they find you? Where do they find all your stuff? Whether it is about the NFL, whether it is about college hoops, or even the UFC, whatever it is, go.
2: My UFC two forty six preview and picks will be up on Vegas Insider tonight, Thursday night. I, I got to be done with it uh, by five o'clock today. Um, if you didn't catch out my story, uh, check out my story on Mike Leach. You can check it out on Major Wager. Dot com. I was on an incredible 17-2 NBA run until an 0-3 last night, but I'm still 17-5. and You can get my picks at BrianEdwardSports.com and VegasInsider.com. And follow me on Twitter, uh, at edwards. And if you want to follow the Major Wager Twitter account, where I do a lot of NBA injury updates, if you're into that and you need them if you're handicapping NBA day-to-day, uh, the Major Wager Twitter account is at major wager uno u n o as always tj fun and enjoyed it thanks for having me and have a great weekend and uh let's go titans and let's go anthony showtime
1: i love those underdog picks thank you my friend uh we will see what happens here we will know the super bowl participants by sunday night we're looking forward to that Lots of college basketball still to get to and cover on this show. Always love it with Brian Edwards. Be well. Enjoy the games, brother.
2: All right, buddy. You as well. Thank you.
1: And there he goes. Love the inside of Brian Edwards from MajorWager.com. Read all of his stuff, especially on the UFC, if you're into that, on Vegas Insider. Uh, BrianEdwardsSports.com for the college hoops, as we were talking about there at the end of our conversation as well, and the conference championship games. Uh, My thanks to also Chris Giannini from earlier in the show with the Winning Cures Everything podcast. All right, I'm not completely copping out on you here, but I I don't like either underdog in this situation for Three Dog Thursday purposes here with uh, with either the Tennessee Titans or the Green Bay Packers. I like the home teams, and I like them both to win decisively. Kansas City just too explosive uh, at home with Tennessee. I think their run ends. I think the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl for the first time since Hank Stram had them in the Super Bowl uh, back when they beat the Vikings, what was that Super Bowl four? Uh, 65 toss power trap, 65 toss power trap. Ha ha! Uh, Hank Stram from back in the day, back in uh, in the early 70s. The link Hank Stram. All right, so I'm I'm thinking the Chiefs and I think the 49ers just too much uh, with the defense on Aaron Rodgers. and The Packers they'll run the ball. They're at home. Uh, You know, Chris's point about level of competition, there's some merit to that. Give me San Francisco and Kansas City in the Super Bowl for Miami Super Bowl 54 in a couple of weeks. And again, enjoy all of the college basketball for this weekend. Louisville, even though uh, they come off a midweek win and Duke comes off a midweek loss, likely an underdog at Duke. Will Louisville get that win? Uh, they're in Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, with the follow-up. If you're looking for another game to keep an eye on, BYU always plays Gonzaga tough. Gonzaga ranked number 1. This is Saturday night college basketball in Spokane. I'll, BYU probably going to be at least a five-point underdog, maybe more, maybe eight or nine. The line is not out right now for Saturday night. Keep an eye on BYU for Three Dog Thursday purposes against Gonzaga in this one. And again, this show will come your way. Much more college basketball next week because there's no NFL, the off week before the Super Bowl. Much more college basketball through the month of March. We're eager to bring it to you as part of Three Dog Thursday with my guests, and uh, analysts, handicappers, uh, guests from the college football world, and much more. That'll do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. My thanks to Chris Giannini, Winning Cures Everything podcast, Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, and Brian BrianEdwardsSports.com. I am merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games. We'll know the Super Bowl participants. This time next week, lots more college hoops to come as well on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye.